The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 76 of the podcast, or you're watching it on YouTube. It is Sunday, December the 31st, 2017, the last show of 2017. We're coming off a two-week hiatus because we had so much shit going on with the holidays and everything like that, but we're getting one last show in this year, and I am joined all the way from frosty New Jersey by my co-host, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing on this eve of 2018, my friend? Bill, it's fucking cold over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's a single digit, Bill. It snowed yesterday. And um, something I tried doing was um, I poured Crown Royal on my car's windshield because <laughs> alcohol doesn't freeze. So I figured... This will keep that uh, layer of ice off my windshield. And it didn't even work, Bill. Yeah. It just made my windshield sticky, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they make stuff for that. They sell at the gas station for $2 instead of using a $35 bottle of <laughs> Canadian whiskey. I thought it was going to work, but um, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing is alcohol does not freeze, so I figured because my uh, windshield wiper fluid was freezing, so... Yeah. Uh, because of how cold it was yesterday. So I figured this will work. I was wrong. All right. Well, I guess that's the way we figured things out is by trial and error. So you tried it and you made an error. Uh, <laughs> happy New Year for my car, though. Yeah. My car is drunk. That would, that would be awkward if you, if you got pulled over and your car just reeks of whiskey. <laughs> and then <laughs> – because – uh, if I was a cop, I would be like, yeah, okay, you poured it on your windshield. <laughs> <laughs> like your car just reeks of booze. You'd be going to jail, Jeff, and then we wouldn't be able to do this anymore. Uh, in any case, how how was Christmas? It was good. Um, you know, I spent it with my sister and her family and her kids, so we were all together. It was nice, along with my parents. And, you know, the kids were excited for their Christmas gifts. I was excited for a new pair of sweats. I like being comfy and nice. cold. So, but Bill, how was yours? I know you had uh, you had the in-laws in town. So how was that? Yeah, yeah. We had the in-laws over. We had a good time. You know, we had a lot of drinks. A lot of whiskey was involved. Um, just kept it low-key, you know, nice and relaxed. We're waiting on this baby to come. Jeff, we're about two weeks away from parenthood. So... That's fucking terrifying. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just trying to get some last-minute things done. I've been doing a lot of work in the new house and putting the nursery together, all that fun stuff, and uh, and finding all the things that you find that are broken when you, when you move into a new house. So it's been an adventure, and I'm ready for a little bit of downtime. So we took the last two weeks off. From the podcast, I think it was much needed. 
Um, I think everybody's feeling a little bit of MMA burnout. We went like 10 weeks in a row with a card every single weekend, and it was kind of nice not having that obligation last week to tune in and watch something. Um, and, and then even last night, I, I had a hard time kind of getting into this card. It was like, it, you know, it's like when you take a couple of weeks off from the gym and then you try to get back in there and you just feel super sluggish. That's kind of how I felt about UFC 219. Nothing against uh, any of the fighters on this card. I, I was actually really excited for this card uh, when I was when I was looking at it, when these fights were announced, I thought, you know, there's a lot of great matchups on here, and there were some exciting fights. But for whatever reason, I was just feeling super sluggish watching this card, Jeff. I don't know how'd you feel about it as a whole, Bill. I was not as disappointed as everybody else seemed to be. This card seemed to get a lot of hate on uh, on Twitter, but. Uh, leading up to this card, I wasn't super excited, but once I saw it, I thought it was really good. I thought a lot of the matchups were more, uh, the way I phrased it on Twitter was a thinking man's fight. So a lot of these were about winning points and winning rounds. So I think there was a lot of, um, depth to a lot of these fights and all the fighters who won, they were very methodical in their approach. So I thought this was overall a pretty solid card. Uh, I think this card was more for the hardcore fans than maybe the casual fan. Yeah, I would agree with you for most of these fights, with the exception of the Khabib uh, Barbosa fight. That was just a straight act of brutality. Like one of the most vicious performances I think I've ever witnessed. And I, I texted you right when that fight ended, and I was like, dude, 30 to 21. Because <laughs> if somebody told me they scored every single round a 10 7, I, I wouldn't argue. Um, that was, that was one of the most savage beatdowns I've ever seen in a fight that went to the decision. Um, credit to Edson Barbosa because he looked completely defeated in there, and you know he was still throwing kicks at the end of the fight. I mean, he was throwing it at air, but man, let, let's just start with this fight, Jeff. What, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah, dude. Um, I, I posted on Twitter, you know, credit to Edson Barbosa for even being alive right now because that was just a mauling, dude. I think he would have stood a better chance against a Bengal tiger in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, this was god-awful, dude. Um, and then at the end, we spoke a little bit about this before we started the show. Khabib, in the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan, he was like, yeah, I could have finished it. But I wanted to keep it going. I, I've, I've been out of the ring, and he just wanted to, like, get back in shape. Um, dude, this was ridiculous. But I did want to point out a few things that I noticed from Khabib was, you know, in, in his ferocity, there's technical prowess, and there's a lot of thinking involved. And at one point, he had Barbosa up against the cage, and he was punching him with his left hand, and with his right hand, he was blocking one of Barbosa's legs and reaching around and grabbing Barbosa's foot, um, which I thought was super smart. Not only did it keep Barbosa at bay, but it kept him from trying from like scampering away from Khabib and trying to build a, a scramble. So I thought that was so smart from Khabib. Um, it, it was like little things like that that I really appreciated about this. Uh, the way he would lock up his legs at uh, Edson Barbosa's knees 
instead of completely mounting him and just neutralizing his hips. He couldn't do anything. Um, I thought this was super, super savage by Khabib, but also there were a lot of very technical nuances in this performance. So I think Khabib is amazing in there. I think he slaughters uh, Conor McGregor easily. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of – oh, man. There, I, I love how you pointed out the, those little technical things that Khabib was doing because it, it seemed just barbaric, but – yeah, his grappling is so high level. The the way he is able to have so much control over all of his limbs and the way he puts pressure down on his opponents is just terrifying. And uh, I want to go back to what you said about how he said at the end of the fight to Joe Rogan that you know he could have finished it, but he wanted to get a full 15 minutes in there. That is scary. Uh, the way he was just marching forward and looking to just make an example out of Edson Barbosa and make a statement and beat the crap out of him for a full 15 minutes, to me, that makes him the scariest person in the UFC. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk uh, about Francis Ngannou being the scariest person in the UFC, but if you think about it, yeah, Francis Ngannou can decapitate you with one punch, but then it's kind of over. like. Khabib will slowly torture you and make you live through hell for 15 minutes. Like with Ngannou, like you get knocked out, but then you, you know, you wake up a little bit later and it, it was like a bad dream. Uh, but with Khabib, it's like living in a nightmare and he doesn't want you to have an escape. He just wants to smother you and throw his fist into your face for 15 minutes and that's a scary feeling because one of the one of the scariest things in the world is is being made to feel helpless you know like you feel when you're a little kid and somebody's holding you down and tickling you it's not so much the tickling but just the fact that you can't move because you're you're powerless and uh, that's one of the scariest things to me um what are your thoughts jeff who do you think is the scariest guy uh, on the roster right now yeah, I agree with you on that. It's like the difference between shooting someone in the head with a gun or doing this thing with a knife where you kind of do like a hundred cuts into them and then have them die slowly. And I'm sorry to use such a morbid metaphor, but that's that's basically what we're comparing here is, um, you know, do you want to die slowly or quickly and not feel anything? And with Khabib, it's just like you said, torturous. It's not fun. Um, geez, man, and just and the word he used, helpless, is just such an accurate description. Uh, sorry, description of what Barbosa must have been feeling in there because there are a few times where, especially in the third round, he was standing, he was doing well, landing a couple of shots, and then he got taken down, and you could just see his face, man. His facial expression was like, "Oh my God, here we go again, um, <clears throat> dude." It, it was just, it was brutal, man. It was like. Yeah watching a tiger grab a gazelle and you know m rip it open and then eat out its insides that's what that was like yeah or it's kind of like the feeling of when you're like in the ocean and there's like big waves coming and every time you come up for air you look and there's just like another you know 20 foot wave about to smack you in the face that's how barboza looked like he was coming up for air and then just getting dragged back into the undertow 
uh, it like just caught in the riptide that is Khabib Nurmagomedov, and that that's really terrifying to me. And I, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be the get the next guy in there, especially with a healthy Khabib, because you know he's had he's had his knee problems and and injuries and and issues making weight and stuff like that. So if he has all that sorted out, that's a that's a scary motherfucker right there, and you know 25 and 0 kind of says it all and he's he hasn't lost many rounds in in those uh 25 wins if any i don't know the exact stats on that but uh awesome fight i don't think edson barbosa's stock goes down too much after this i mean he he survived one of the most brutal beatings uh ever given out it seemed like he just couldn't pull the trigger like he was kind of afraid to throw too many kicks because he didn't want them to get caught and and Khabib had the right game plan for a, a speedy kicker like Barbosa. He just kept marching forward and putting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, <clears throat> with that, let's uh, let's go to the main event, which had much of the same result uh, in terms of bodily harm. Holly Holmes' face was completely battered by Chris Cyborg. Uh, I would guess she had a broken orbital, uh, and, and that might be you know, just the start of a long list of injuries. I saw a picture on Instagram right before we started the podcast today. And it was uh, Bruce Buffer out at a bar with Holly Holm. And she had a hood pulled over her face and her eye was completely purple. And she is not recognizable at all. Uh, I I would like to see what Barbosa's face looks like today. I, I don't imagine it looks much better, but uh, Holly Holm could have some permanent facial damage uh, from the beating she took from Chris Cyborg last night. Uh, really awesome performance from Cyborg. I thought she was really composed in there. Uh, every time Holly pressed her up against a cage, she knew Holly wasn't trying to take her down, so she just kind of relaxed her arms and let her pin her against the cage and and use her energy, which I thought was a great strategy from Cyborg. You know, get the blood filled up in, in Holly's arms. And uh, it definitely helps because she was throwing punches a lot slower uh, towards the end. And Cyborg saw every head kick coming and blocked every single one of them. I was really impressed with her composure and her game plan in there. She didn't go in there and just try to knock Holly's head off. Uh, she was picking her shots, and, and I thought it was really a spectacular performance, so probably uh, one of her best yet. What were your thoughts on this main event, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I think we saw a wider range of Cyborg's skills here. She was good from distance, um, you know, although there wasn't too much of that. I think she she pretty she pretty much won the exchanges when they were um, at a certain range. And in the clinch, dude, we all know Cyborg's dangerous. She's a great Muay Thai fighter. She loves the stand-up. So at close range uh, with distance, she was really good. And, Bill, I was actually pretty impressed with home. Um, you know, I've uh, a couple of judges gave her the first two rounds. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not a judge. I don't know how that works. I kind of had the second round definitely for home. The first one was kind of up in the air, but Holly home looked good. The first few rounds, she, I thought it was actually smart of her to try to make cyborg carrier weight because cyborg has a lot of muscle as well. And I felt like she was going to tire out a little bit more quickly. I would have liked to see more of home doing that. Uh -huh. 
But like you said, you know, she wasn't doing anything off of it. So Cyborg, you know, was happy to just hang out for a bit. And I felt like Holly Holm in the later rounds, especially, she just became too predictable, man. She would throw a one-two and then a head kick. And Cyborg timed it every single time. She knew it was coming after two punches. So uh, she was fine blocking it. I thought Cyborg was really smart. She showed that her striking is not just raw power. She's also super technical in there. I thought she looked great. I thought she looked great over five rounds. It looked like she could have gone five more rounds at the end. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good performance from both of these fighters. I thought it was going to be really down to the wire uh, in the decision, and it was. It was. And overall, man, this was a thinking man's fight, dude, because they were both not trying to commit too much. And, you know, Cyborg just showed how good she really is. I think she was awesome in there. Yeah, there was a lot of mutual respect. I was I was kind of surprised to see how similar they were in size because, uh, obviously, Holly has made 135 before, and, and Cyborg uh, almost died trying to make 140 one time. Uh, so I thought there would be uh, a much bigger size discrepancy, but it looks like Holly put on a little bit of muscle uh, for this fight. So I thought she looked good. Uh, I would like to see her go back to 135. I don't know. I don't know what you do next with cyborg. I mean, Megan Anderson is, is the only logical choice, but you have a champion in a division that has almost no fighters in it. Uh, so it's, it's kind of complicated. Uh, I guess you just kind of, keep feeding people to cyborg until she decides to retire and then eliminate the division. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a big demand for it uh, unless, you know, the plan is to do an ultimate fighter or, uh, you know, recruit, recruit some women from, from other organizations. I don't, I don't really know what the solution is. I'm just identifying the problem, I guess, which is not something I prefer to do, but um, you know, we're just talking through this thing here, Jeff, we're trying to solve problems for the UFC. Uh, but I guess Megan Anderson would be next. Uh, what do you see next for both of these girls? I would kind of like to see Holly go back to 135. So uh, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I'd like to see Holly actually take on the women's bantamweight champion. I'd like to see her take on Amanda Nunez because Holly Holm has four losses out of her last five fights. But if you look, it's been Misha Tate, Cyborg, Jermaine Durandamy, all very high-level opponents. So I'd either like to see her fight for the Bantamweight Championship again just because of how powerful Amanda Nunez is. I think Holly Holm being so technical is a really good matchup. Or I'd like to see Amanda Nunez fight Chris Cyborg, come up to 145 and challenge for that belt. I feel like Amanda Nunez is a pretty big Bantamweight. I think she makes 145 easy. I would love to see these two girls just throwing heavy leather at each other. Yeah, that might be the fight to make. Uh, I kind of thought of that after the fact, uh, after I turned it over to you. But yeah, that would that would definitely be an interesting fight. Um, I think I would be more interested in that than Holly versus uh, Nunez right now. I I'd like to see Holly maybe get back in the win column before she uh, she gets another title shot. I know that's been a big complaint about Holly in the past, but to be fair to her, she should have won the fight against Jermaine Durandamy. Um, you know, there were some really bad fouls in that fight that weren't taken into account um, because there weren't points deducted when there should have been. But, you know, that's all in the past. I want to kind of breeze over the rest of this card, Jeff. So we had a 
a great finish by Dan Hooker over Mark Dykesay. Casey. The Casey. Mark DeCasey. Uh, what were your thoughts on this guillotine finish here, Jeff? I thought it was great. I thought Dan Hooker fought really smart. He kept Jacquesi uh, at a distance. He kept him from getting that flashy offense that he likes to do. Um, so, you know, Dan Hooker, for lack of a better term, he made it kind of a boring fight, but he had to to win. And then he knew how good his grappling was. As soon as DeCasey came in for the takedown, his head was totally wrong positioned. And Dan Hooker hooked it up and sunk in a really nice guillotine. But up until then, I thought he was fighting smart, trying to win rounds instead of going for the big finish. And credit to Dan Hooker, man. Uh, he knew that the finish would come. And even if he didn't, he was doing an awesome job. I thought he won every round in there. He made it tough for DeCasey to get off any flashy offense. And we've seen Dan Hooker do well before. So um, I think I see a very bright future for Dan Hooker. So this fight was pretty exciting. What do you think about this, Bill? Did you get a chance to watch this one? I know that you were having a trouble with your feed when you were watching it. Yeah, the, the feed cut out. I did go back and uh, I was able to see the finish. But yeah, I, I agree with your analysis 100%. This was a, a very uh, technical strategy from Dan Hooker. Uh, you know, he made... Uh, did Casey wear his weight for a lot of the fight, uh, and he pressured him, and that's the way to deal with a flashy striker. Uh, the exact same thing that Khabib did to Edson Barbosa. Uh, you got to pressure him and don't give him, don't give him the space to, you know, get their legs free and uh, you know use their range and things like that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great strategy. So before that, a uh, bit of a controversial decision: Carla Esparza getting the nod over Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, I kind of saw it going the other way. I don't think it was the worst robbery to ever happen, but uh, I feel like Calvillo definitely should have got this one. How would you see it going, Jeff? Uh, Bill, I actually have to disagree with you on this one. I think Carlos Barza did enough to win it. Um, first round definitely went to Calvillo. Esparza was on her back the whole time. And the second and third rounds, I saw them more for Esparza, barely. You know, I, I could have seen, you know, I think that if Calvillo had won, I don't think anybody would be too upset. Uh -huh. um, but, yeah, I thought Esparza did enough to win. I thought she was smart, kept it standing after realizing that, you know, Calvillo has a, such a great ground game, dude. I knew she had a good ground game, but – uh, last night was a totally different level, especially in that first round. You know, Carla Esparza, she's a wrestler. She's not really a jiu-jitsu girl, but she had a nice arm bar. Um, Calvillo was a little spastic in getting out of it, but she got out of it. And, you know, to be able to pin somebody down, especially with the high-level grappling that Esparza has, I think that's impressive, man. So yeah. super bright future for Calvio. Uh, she's getting better all the time. Her striking looked a lot improved. But I think Esparza is just, uh, you know, I think it was just experience. She knew when not to be there when Calvio hit. So mm -hmm. I think Esparza got it more from her experience than anything else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely could have seen a decision going either way. Um, I don't know how long Calvillo is going to be able to stay in this weight class because she looked considerably bigger than Esparza in there. Uh, I know she's a young girl. So uh, obviously as you get older, it gets a lot harder to, uh, to drop the weight. So, um, but you know, with the new 125 pound division, uh, maybe she'll find a place there, but I think she can make a pretty good run at straw weight first. Um, 
So last night, uh, a lot of people were excited for the return of Carlos Condit, and he was a favorite going in against Neil Magny. Uh, I didn't really understand why Condit was the favorite here. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. He's, he's done a lot of impressive things in this sport, but I feel like Magny has that uh, Carlos Condit struggles with. Carlos Condit does well if he's able to get into a brawl or if he's able to uh, submit people quickly. But, you know, a, a pressuring, like, nonstop pressure style like Neil Magny has is really the kryptonite for Carlos Condit, especially coming off, I think, a year-and-a-half layoff and also announcing he, his retirement, uh, saying, like, he didn't want to fight anymore because he was worried about brain damage and all the things uh, that he said. And usually... Once guys start thinking about retirement, um, they're probably done. I thought he looked like just flat, like he didn't want to be in there. Um, you know, he seemed to be content just kind of holding Magny on top of him. And uh, I was really impressed with Magny's uh, takedown game. He was just relentless with those body lock takedowns. Uh, he, he was hitting takedowns from that body lock position from all different angles. Uh, I thought he looked really good in this fight. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, I really yeah, liked I really the liked, uh, the grappling and the ground control from Maggie. Maggie, I thought I thought that he did really he did well. Really well. well. He, you know, he was looking you know, good, was good, especially especially you know, you know, fighting, fighting so long, so long which, which it's something it's something don't really don't see, really see when, when when they're fighting somebody. somebody in the welterweight division. Uh, welterweight division. Um, so yeah, so yeah, he looked awesome, awesome. And I felt like I felt like just hunted. He never, he never got a chance to get chance to get going. So yeah, so he kind of he just got he just got um what's the name what's the neutralized. Yeah, and as good as Magni looked, you have to remember that he got bulldozed by Rafael Los Anjos, who's, you know, sitting pretty close to the top of this division right now. So it's kind of tough uh, thinking about what you do with Neil Magny. I guess, you know, maybe have him and Robbie Lawler get in there. That might be an interesting matchup once Robbie Lawler is uh, healed up from his injuries. Um, I don't, I don't think you give Magny to like wonder boy. Um, maybe Jorge Masvidal would be an interesting matchup. That would be, that would be a good fight. Um, you know, Masvidal has awesome takedown defense, uh, and great boxing, which, uh, you know, uh, could give Magni trouble, but I, I thought it was a good fight. You know, I, even though, uh, Condit looked flat, you can't really blame him for, for being away for so long and, and, you know, toying with the idea of retirement and everything like that. But I hope to see him, uh, come back reinvigorated, you know, hopefully training for this fight has kind of given him the desire again to, to get back in there. Cause there's a lot of interesting matchups for him. Uh, miles jury pulling a unanimous decision over, uh, Rick Glenn. And then, uh, Lewis Smoka had a really good fight. This is one of the prelims I caught with, uh, Mateus, uh, Nicolau and, uh, this was a crazy fight because Smoko was almost knocked out completely unconscious at the end of the first round. And then he wound up coming back, but he just suffered a, a complete beatdown. It was probably the third worst uh, three round beatdown on the card. 
Uh, and then Tim Elliott getting a uh, anaconda choke over Mark De La Rosa in the card opener. Uh, any thoughts on any of these fights, Jeff, before we move on? Unfortunately, Bill, I was unable to watch any of these. So I got enough to watch them. All right. Fuck it. We're moving on. Uh, so the next card, luckily, is not going to be until January 14th, and that's going to be in St. Louis, Missouri, and it's going to be headlined by Jeremy Stevens, Duho Choi. That's a really exciting fight. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, another week off uh, <laughs> just to, uh, you know, kind of rest up from the holidays and everything like that. And in the meantime, before this card happens, I'll probably be having a baby, so there's that. And uh, but this card actually looks really exciting. There's some cool fights on here. Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, that's an interesting one. Uh, Paige Van Zant and Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, Michael Johnson and Darren Elkins, that's an interesting fight. Zach Cummings and Tiago Alves. Uh, and what else we got here? Any thoughts on uh, any of those, Jeff? Yeah, I'm looking at this Elkins versus Johnson fight. They look really, really good. Uh, I see fights on that one. Yeah, for sure. It definitely has the potential. So, uh, I mean, Darren Elkins is a, is an animal. I mean, he's <laughs> he has uh, got to be one of the best at at taking a, a beating on the whole roster <laughs> and and being able to come back from it, uh, which. I don't know what that says about a person, but there's that. So uh, we can get more into this card next week and, and really kind of break it down if you want. Uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups here. Jeff, I know this is not like a news-oriented podcast or anything, but maybe we could start working in some current events here because I shared with you what I believe to be the best news story of 2017. And that was <laughs> a man in Ohio. I guess you'd call him a man. He looks really young, 22 years old. Went to meet up with a younger gentleman, 15-year-old boy, that he had been talking to on the Internet. Uh, we know, of course, it's very common these days for people to meet on the Internet. The twist here, Jeff, is... The contraband that he was found with going to meet up with this underage. <laughs> I'm trying, I can't imagine being a news broadcaster trying to tell this story. So what happened was this guy was chatting with what he thought was a 15-year-old boy on the Internet and sending him lewd pictures of himself. Uh, and uh, it was actually an undercover cop he was talking to. So he goes to meet up with this kid. This 15-year-old kid at a, a motel or something. And, uh, of course, he was met by police. And he was found in his possession uh, chicken Alfredo, <laughs> a two-liter bottle of Sprite, uh, I believe Astroglide lube, uh, Vaseline lotion, and uh, and a MacBook, 
with three zip drives. So he was looking to chow down and throw down at this motel, Jeff. And <laughs> I, I read this story while I was at work, and I had to leave the room because I was hysterical laughing. And uh, there is nothing funny about pedophiles whatsoever. But there is something hilarious about a pedophile being busted in the act with a Tupperware full of chicken Alfredo under his arm. <laughs> and his mugshot is like, you look at him and you're like, yeah, I believe this happened 100%. But here's what I'm wondering, Jeff. These undercover cops who are baiting him, they must have just been like fucking around. Like, dude, see if you could get him to bring some of his mom's chicken Alfredo. And <laughs> like, this is... This had to have been a prank. Like, like, oh, yeah, I'll suck your dick if you bring me some chicken Alfredo. It's got to be homemade, though, in a Tupperware. <laughs> uh, <what? laughs> now, Jeff, I know, oh, I know you wanted to bring this up. So let, let, let's, talk, let's talk some current events and, and what has to be the most hilarious news story of 2017. Uh, what was your reaction to this? Oh, man, oh, Bill, when Bill, you sent me this thing, me this thing. Uh, I was in the middle of a meeting. Of a meeting. <laughs> I'm just reading, reading. I just start cracking up. I start, I'm cracking up, cracking up, and I'm just like, I'm just like, this, this is, this is. You've learned, you've all learned, learned, learned all your lessons, all your lessons out of college. Out of college, your parents have raised, parents have raised you. Your teachers have, teachers have raised you. You, you've, you've been prepared. Out in the real world, in the real world, functioning member of society, society. and you uh -huh. still think that some kid is just going to be like, you know what, what? Bring me some chicken off, some chicken off. That's it. That's it. <laughs> And dude, chicken Alfredo is not something you could just whip up. Like you gotta reduce heavy cream. Like this is <laughs> this is an intricate. <laughs> He's he's like in his kitchen, like dicing up the chicken and and fucking making the cream reduction for the sauce and and the cheese. And he's like filling the Tupperware, and he's like packing his little backpack with his Astro Glide lube. It's like, what is going through this kid's mind while he's doing this? And also, it kind of made me want to be an undercover cop because not only do you get to bust pedophiles, but you get to fuck with them too, apparently. Like, dude, get them to bring chicken Alfredo. <laughs> They're probably, like, making bets to see, like, what they can make him do. Like, completely fucking with this guy, which which I'm totally fine with uh, because, obviously, he's a terrible person. He's trying to fuck a kid, which definitely, you know, don't do that. <laughs> That's... I mean, I, I shouldn't have to tell you that. And hopefully if you're a listener of this show, uh, you don't need to be told that. But if you do, definitely don't fuck kids. That's a, that's a no-no. But, oh, man. Uh, any other thoughts on this story, Jeff? I kind of want to try out this chicken Alfredo thing. In the <laughs> I want to see, I wanna see I wanna who's going to go. I thought you, you were going to say you wanted to try his chicken Alfredo. No, no, no. <laughs> like, no, well, I mean, also, also, Whiplash, are the cops allowed to eat that? Like, would that, would that have to keep that in? I, I think, 
Uh, well, one, I don't think I would eat anything coming from this guy. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that has to be evidence. I don't think, I don't think they can even donate that to charity. But yeah, I don't know. Are you wondering, like, if you ate it, like, would I let somebody fuck me for this chicken, Alfredo? Or yeah, you know, that, that was my next thought. Was you know how? I mean, there there has to be a pretty good standard here. Like, it has to be at least as good as the one they make at Olive Garden. Yeah, and wash it down with a nice refreshing Sprite. So, <laughs> at least, uh, at least Sprite got some free publicity out of this. They got, they got uh, LeBron James and and the Chicken Alfredo kid in their stable <laughs> right now. So Sprite's Sprite's sitting pretty high and mighty. I gotta say. All right, Jeff. So uh, let's get back to what this show is really about, which is fighting and drinking. Uh, I know you've been sipping on some interesting things lately uh, that you that you uh, took as a recommendation uh, via the Twitter. So uh, let's hear about it. Yeah, so as you guys know, we're good friends with Money Blakeweather from Loaded Joe's Podcast. And Hell yeah. Yeah, so he yeah, so had done a fan Q&A. Fan Q&A and in this Q&A, he Q&A talked about, about Dragon's Dragon's Melbourne. So, Bill, so I go crazy looking for it. I was texting you. I was like, you know, where do you think I'm going to pick this up? And I know I get my local store, which is like 10 blocks away. So, so Bill, this stuff, Bill, this stuff, Bill, this stuff it's a stout. As you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I do enjoy my stouts. With the weather, weather really good lately. Good lately, and dude, it's awesome. Dude, it's awesome. I had hints of chocolate in there. There, some vanilla they got. They got, and then make it in. Make it in. Bourbon barrels. Bourbon barrels. So, so this stuff is awesome. It goes really well with like a hangover that I've had. That I've had. And dude, strongly recommended. Um. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Dragon's uh, Milk. I got to check it out. Where is it from? Do you know the brewery? Uh, New Holland. New Holland. All right. New Where Holland. are they? Do you know? Uh, I have no uh, idea, no actually. But um, strongly recommended. Strong. You can find it. Definitely try it. I really enjoyed it. I took my time drinking it, too. My time drinking it, too. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. I'm up for a recommendation from both you and money blake weather it looks like new holland brewery is out of michigan uh they do uh they do make a lot of nice beers up in that area ohio michigan uh i've been to some really good breweries in ohio uh so yeah new holland all right and it looks like when i googled it one of the first beers that came up is uh the dragon's milk so a stout with roasty malt character intermingled with something that the description gets cut off and I'm not going to click the link right now, but, uh, I do plan on checking that beer out. Uh, shout out to money Blake weather for the powerful beer choices. I'm sipping right now, Jeff on, uh, I plan to ring in the new year with a little bit of brandy. So I'm, I'm sipping on some black dirt, single barrel, Applejack brandy. So, uh, this is not, I'm usually not a brandy drinker, but this brandy drinks like a bourbon, which is why I'm really enjoying it. So it's made from apples and uh, it comes from New York, uh, a little bit north of where I'm from. My sister actually brought this bottle down for me. She was here visiting from up in New York and uh, she was able to find it. It's out of Warwick, New York, which is upstate a ways. And uh, 
so it's made from apples, but I don't want you to think it's like the Crown Royal Apple or like the Jim Beam Apple that are like really sweet and kind of syrupy. The the sweetness is really mellow, and it's uh, it's aged in in charred oak barrels, which is kind of why it drinks like a bourbon. And it's super strong. It's fifty percent alcohol, so that's hundred proof. Um, it's single barrel and handcrafted, and it comes in in small bottles. It seems like, um, but it's a really nice pour. Uh, I've been uh, you've probably been seeing me sipping on it in between talking this whole episode, Jeff. I just have a little bit in a sifter here. You can see it has like a really light color to it. Uh, I do it with the same way. You know, we drink our bourbon. I just put like a little squirt of water in there and it really opens up the flavor. And the, the apples actually leave like a really nice sweetness on the tongue after the fact. Uh, so that's really awesome. Um, <clears throat> and I've been drinking a whole lot of other stuff uh, because it's been the holidays and everything like that. But, you know, we, didn't, we don't need to get into all that. I'm probably going to be doing some bourbon at midnight tonight to uh, ring in the new year. Uh, you got anything else you want to get off your chest today, Jeff? Bill, I'm just excited that 2017 is coming to a close. I know it's been a rough patch for both of us, but 2018, it's going to be a big chain, dude. You got to be coming. I'm looking at something else going on, so it's going to be super fun. Until, you know, until you know, Ed, Ed. Ed. what is it now? It's uh, basically, basically two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, well, just about two weeks, uh, a little under. So uh, maybe by the next episode, uh, I'll have a baby crying in the background, but maybe not. Maybe we'll get another one in. In any case, I want to thank everybody who listens to the show for all of your alcohol recommendations throughout the 2017 year. It's been a hell of a ride. So thanks for listening all year, and thanks for sending us your drink recommendations. Please continue to do so, and thanks for giving us feedback on the show. As always, if you want to get in touch with Jeff or you just want to wish him a happy new year, you can find him at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see his, uh, his Twitter handle uh, right under the screen. So if you want to check out the show on YouTube, please feel free. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much anywhere else on the internet. Or you can email me, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. Uh, I always like interacting with everybody as much as possible. Uh, so that's all we got. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you in 2018. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.